thank you, Lord, that you are always there for us, that you are always with me. Amen. And give you honor and glory and grace for you are such a good God. And you love us so much. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I think that was one of David's favorite expressions to say to God, the Lord is my rock. The Lord, the creator of everything, the one who's over all, before all, holds all things together. The Lord is, not, not, not might be someday, uh, but right now where we stand, the Lord, the creator of the universe is our rock, man. There's nothing more encouraging than that. Uh, well, today we are in uh, chapter 14 uh, of the story, uh, a kingdom torn in two, in a conversation that I'm calling uh, Divided We Fall. Uh, now, as chapter 14 opens up, it's around the year 930 B.C. And if you're kind of new to uh, the Grove, um, we've been on this journey since January the 13th, a, a, a journey where we're digging into the Bible, we're digging into the God story from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, what we're doing is we're seeing what the total picture of God's Word, and, and it's been an amazing journey. And one of the things we've learned is that regardless of what we're going through in life, regardless of what we're facing, regardless how bad our lower story may be, that there is a a bigger and better story that's always going on that overrides everything. Uh, The story of a good, kind, powerful, compassionate God doing whatever it takes despite my sin and yours, doing whatever it takes so that we can be home with him forever. Again, again, that's so. And it's true, right? I mean, it's true. Again, it's chapter 14 opens up. Solomon, he's about 59 years old. He's been king for 40 years and and, and he's about to die. And and as we saw last week in, in chapter 13, of the story. The kingdom, it, it, because Solomon chased after false gods, he, he bent his knee to idols. God said the kingdom, uh, 10 tribes of the kingdom are going to be torn from you after you die. And, and so this nation that, that God established a thousand years earlier is about to be divided. Um, my Old Testament professor, James Smith, wrote these words. Um, Division among God's people is a heartbreaking tragedy. Uh, to see those who love and serve the same God rent asunder by bitterness and strife is enough to make the angels weep. First Kings chapter 12 relates a sad story. It speaks of animosity, bitterness, insensitivity, and outright hostility among those who were by birth and belief one people. Uh, you know, division is a, a pretty appropriate word to describe much of our culture. You see, division and breakups was not limited to the nation of Israel in 930 B.C., but instead uh, the beat goes on as we look around at our culture in, in the year 2013, and we still see it. I mean, we see it in the political strife that is running unchecked and out of control in our government. I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm so over all the petty fighting taking place on both sides of the aisle. Could you guys just grow up for a minute and do what you're supposed to do? Would you be leaders? And we see it in the, we see division, we see it in the conflict that's in the workplace, we see it as there's dissension in the homes. 
And we see it even in the church where there's splits and division and strife within the body of Christ. Uh, but listen, none of that is God's plan. None of that is God's desire. None of that is how God wants things to go down. Instead, it's God's will for us to live in harmony and in peace with, without tension, without alienation, without dissension and division. Uh, he writes in Psalm 133, uh, verse 1, and, you know, how, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Proverbs 17.1 reads this, and maybe you can relate to this verse. A better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house of feasting with strife. Now, understand, God wants you and I to strive for unity whenever and wherever possible. Paul put it this way in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, be at peace with who? Even them? Yeah, everyone. And Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, what many consider the unity chapter of the Bible, Paul writes this, as, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I, I urge you to, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And we got a pretty good calling, right? And that word worthy deals with, you know, the value of something, the weight of something. He said, you know, the weight of our calling, redemption, forgiveness, adoption, God's spirit living in us. He says, you know, may the life you live kind of equal in weight to the calling you received. Uh, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And in Philippians chapter 2, a unity once again flowed from the pen of Paul as he writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ. Question, do you agree with the following statement? That unity pretty much matters everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, does unity matter in the home? Does it matter in our marriages? Does it matter in a relationship? Have you ever been part of a home that was divided? Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house of feasting with strife. You see, the psalmist was right. It is good and it is pleasant when everybody is getting along, but when they're not getting along, it's ugly. It's bad, it's miserable, it's destructive. And what about in the workplace? Does unity matter in the workplace? Does it matter on a sports team? Does unity matter in the church? Does unity matter at Maple Grove? Amen. Again, 3,000 years ago, God's kingdom, it's divided. And since Scripture tells us that everything that was written down in the past was written down to, to warn us, to, to encourage us, to teach us, if that's true, then there must be tucked away in this 3,000-year-old breakup, 
Uh, There must be some warnings and some encouragement and some teachings that will help us come together and to be united. And my goal is pretty simple today. I I, I want you and I to to learn. And remember, you can't learn from me and I can't learn for you, right? You know, God brought you here to talk to you, not to your wife, to your husband, or someone you're ticked at, right? All right? It's my goal that we'll learn a, a, a few things from their story, from their breakup that will help us be more united at home, at work, in the church, wherever. And I don't know, but, but I think this is a worthwhile conversation to pursue this morning. What say you, Maple Grove? Is it worth our time to talk about unity? Uh, okay, I've broken out our conversation into uh, a couple headings. We're going to talk about the breakup, the causes, the results, the cure, and the bottom line. And, and like always, if we're ever going to pray open palms, all right, this is, this is it, right? Because God's fixing to smack us, right? He's fixing to bring it to us and, and to speak to us and to change us. Uh, God, we love you. We stand in all of who you are. And God, our palms are open Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears. And God, we know how much you hate division, how much you hate dissension and disunity. And God, we know how not so good and not so pleasant it is when we don't get along. And God, you brought us here to change us, not to change us for a couple minutes in this room, but to change us when we leave this place, to be more united. So, God, I just pray you be with us. Help me to say what needs to be said in the way that needs to be said. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, breakups and divisions, they're never good. It's never a pleasant thing to be a part of. It's it's never a pleasant thing to watch from the sidelines. And and this week, I, I went online and I Googled, you know, the top 10 band breakups of all time. Tons of lists out there, okay? And, and here's what we're going to do. You know, I, I, I'm going to play a soundbite from a band. We're going to look at the top 10 band breaks of all time, starting at number 10. And then you're going to try to guess who the band is, you know? And, and my goal here is to totally disarm you with music and then beat you up with God's word. No, not really, but, but kind of, all right? So, the, and, and know that when these guys formed their band, they did not want to wind up on this list, right? Okay, here's number 10. The number 10 uh, breakup of all time is this band right here. Okay, number coming in number nine. Go go. They can go go. All right. Uh, okay, number eight. Number eight. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Out of Athens, Georgia. All right, number coming number seven. Who is this? Take it easy. Eagle. Take it easy. Who, by the way, when they when they broke up in 1980, they said we'll get together when what? Hell freezes over. 14 years later, hell froze over, and they and they made a lot of money on that hell freezing over. All right, number six. All right, good job. Okay, coming to number five, all-time breakup, right here. One word for another, I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you. 
All right. And, and here we go. Number four. All-time breakup. Right here. Number three, everybody's all-time favorite right here. <laughs> there they are, the dancing queen themselves. Hey, I actually heard that they were offered, I read, I was sure they were offered a billion dollars to get back together again and tour, but they didn't do it. Um, number two, all-time break. Good stuff right there. <laughs> Had a chance to see them in 77, but it was obstructed view, and I didn't do it. What an idiot. <laughs> Wasn't center stage, front row. I didn't want it. Okay. And, and number one, all time. I got fired from singing for a service. Uh, uh, people turning off their hearing aids is terrible. But uh, uh, th these guys said they had great unity beginning. I mean, the first five years they were together, they played 40 hours every day, every week. Uh, they performed 1,300 concerts before they had their first hit. They came to the U.S. in 1964, and in just six years, they had 20 number one hits. And then in 1970, it was over. They were done for good. And listen, despite that number one hit, they could never work it out. Remember that song? Right here. Where's the line? Right there. Who wants to sing with me? <laughs> Try to see it my way. Only time will tell if I am right or if I'm wrong. We can work it out. We can work it out. While you see it your way, there's a chance that we may fall apart before too long. We can work it out. We can work it out. Life is very short and there's no time. For fussing and fighting, my friend, I have always thought that it's a crime. So I will ask you once again. Amen. Amen. The Beatles. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've never amen the Beatles before. Maybe the last time. All right. You're wondering, okay, uh, why is he playing those songs? One, because it was kind of fun, and. and and number two, so you remember we talked about today, maybe you'll leave here singing, we can work it out. <laughs> I've been texting my wife all, all week long, singing, every time I see her, I, I sing that song, she's driving her crazy with it, and I just keep doing it, it's kind of my nature, my sinful nature, <laughs> okay? Uh, but when you remember, go, hey, why did he show, because... I want us to think about the conversation today and think about the beauty and power of unity and the ugliness and destructiveness of division. 
Okay, like I said, Solomon, he's the third king, David's son. He's on the throne when the breakup goes down. When it goes down, the nation of Israel was riding high. They were sitting on the top of the charts in so many areas, selling out all their concert dates. I mean, we're talking triple platinum It hits everywhere. United under one flag, a powerful and respected military. Uh, uh, Their land uh, going from 6,000 to 60,000 square miles. Financially, they were sound. Their, Their approval rating was off the charts. But right after Solomon died, the breakup goes down. And the nation of Israel is divided. The 10 tribes in the north, they align with a guy named Jeroboam. And they will become known as the southern kingdom, also known as Israel, when you read that in Scripture. I think we have a picture, right? You got a picture on the map there? There you go. And, and, the, and the tribes in, in the south, they aligned themselves with Solomon's son, Rehoboam. They became known as Judah or, or the southern kingdom. And, and that's the breakup. Uh, the family of Jacob, the people of God, who'd been together for a thousand years, divided. And no longer united, no longer one. Now understand, this is not at all what God intended. It's not at all what God wanted. However, it, it was not unforeseen by the sovereign king of the universe and was not at all able to stop the thwart or hold back God's ultimate plan of redemption. Yeah, I know their, their lower story, you know, that, that story, our story from the six-foot perspective, you know, uh, uh, this perspective of the here and now of all the difficult stuff we go through, sometimes because of our own stupid decisions and sometimes just because we live in a fallen world. And, and, and now the lower story for God's people in chapter 14, it, it wasn't very pretty. You see, after years of, of sowing the seeds of rebellion and sin and idolatry, they were beginning to reap the full harvest of pain and, and destruction. And, and you know, this week as I reflected on this division, on, on God's kingdom being divided, I was like, oh, okay, God hates division, yet, yet God's the one who tore the kingdom toward 10 tribes and gave them to Jeroboam. And I was like, what gives? What's going on? I mean, what message is God trying to give us through this? And eventually it hit me. I think God was saying, I keep my word. He told Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. He kept his word. He told Moses, "If if my people obey me in the land, I'll bless them. He kept his word. He told them, he told Moses, if my people turn away from me, turn their backs on me, I will punish them. God keeps his word. He told David, you know what, David? You're always going to have one of your family line on the throne that will lead to the ultimate king, Jesus Christ. God kept his word. He didn't give 12 tribes, right, did he? No, he left one tribe. He left Judah down there for David's throne to continue See, the message is no matter what happens, God keeps his word. He's true to his word. What God says he's going to do, his promises are secure. And now the causes to the breakup. The first cause I want to talk about is issues in their walk with God. And I know that's like the last one on your notes. But on Friday, I decided I wanted to talk about it first. Because the reality is this. Whenever people are not so good with God, they don't do so good with each other. Do you agree? I mean, have you found that to be a case in your own life, your relationships, that when you and God are not right, nothing seems to be right anywhere. Understand, before the breakup, 
In 930 B.C., God's people were not right with them. They were not walking with him. You know, the nation of Israel, because of Solomon's sin of idolatry and chasing after false gods, they did the very same thing. Jeroboam, he wasn't much better. Even before God told him, hey, I'm going to give you these tribes, he tried to overthrow Solomon, God's anointed. Then after, after the breakup, they still weren't walking right with God, right? Because what did Jeroboam do, right? He, he built idols in the north for people to worship and said, hey, here, these golden calves, they're, they're, that's, that's the gods who led you out of Egypt. And after the breakup, Rehoboam, he didn't do so good with God either. In 1 Chronicles 12, 14, here's how Scripture summarizes his reign, his 17-year reign. 1 Chronicles 12, 14, he did evil. 1 Chronicles 12, 14, he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. That's a pretty powerful verse. I almost wish it popped up on the screen, but I didn't put it in my notes till this morning. <laughs> I guess... Not setting your heart on seeking the Lord leads to what? That's why you're doing evil. That's why I'm doing evil, right? Because we're not set on seeking the Lord. What led to the breakup? One of the primary causes, they weren't aware of God. They weren't fearing God. They weren't obeying His commandments. And I don't know, maybe they did what God's people do today. Maybe they redefined what it meant to follow God so that they could feel good about how they were living. Uh, here's the bottom line. Um, Iwig will lead to Iwop. Right? Uh, issues with God will lead to issues with people, right? right? And, and, and then also, G-Wig will lead to G-Wop, all right? <laughs> yeah, I know I make that up. It works for me. You're good with God, you're good with other people, right? I mean, it's just, you know, that, that, we need some more G-WAP in the church, right? I think the Go-Go's can maybe make a song about that. All right. Uh, okay. Issues with God will lead to conflict and disunity. Another thing is unresolved and petty jealousy. I understand throughout the Old Testament, we see many examples of jealousy and rivalry between uh, uh, the tribes of Israel. You see jealousy between Jacob's offspring did not end with a coat of many colors. And we see an example of this in 2 Samuel chapter 19. In 2 Samuel 19, David is returning to Jerusalem with his family. And, and he's been escorted by the tribe of Judah across the Jordan River. They've just turned back the rebellion of Absalom. I mean, the king returning to a city is a pretty powerful moment. I mean, everybody is pretty excited about it, right? Except for... The tribe of Ephraim, the tribe that Jeroboam's from. You see, they wanted to be the line leader. <laughs> hey, how come we can't be the line leader? It's not fair. We have 10 tribes. We should be the line leader. Judah's like, no, no, no. We should be the line leader. We should be, David's from our family. We're the, no, we should. No, we should. No, we should. They should. We should. You know what the root problem is here? It's that both the tribes of Judah and Ephraim, they... They think it's all about their position and honor rather than the position and honor of the king. And see, that's where jealousy comes from, really. That's the root. It's a mindset that is consumed and focused on ourselves. And, and, and therefore, if, if, if somebody else experiences something, if, if somebody, somebody else receives something that we feel we deserve more, we get jealous have you ever seen this mindset, this kind of thing, destroy unity and create division? 
of thinking about self, my position, my way, my glory, my honor. Have you ever seen it? I've seen it. I've done it. I've done it. Yet God says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Another thing that led to the breakup was foolish decisions in the past. Solomon was a man on a mission. He became obsessed with that mission. He took him building projects all throughout the empire, building projects that took a huge chunk of cash. And Solomon funded those projects the old-fashioned way. He raised everybody's taxes throughout the kingdom. And no one wants to pay more taxes. I know I don't. And he also forced tens of thousands of his own people. You know what? You may not want to, but guess what? You're on my work crew. And listen, those decisions that Solomon made in the past put a huge burden on the people of God that would play a significant role in the future breakup of the nation. You see, the decisions that you and I make today and the life that you and I live today will affect generations to come either in a positive or negative way. That's true at home, it's true at work, it's true in the church. Think of it this way. Our our, our present decisions will one day be the past to which future generations will be able to trace their blessings or hardships to. The people in in, in, uh, chapter 14 of the story, they go, man, why is things so hard? How did we get here? Why are we having so many hardships? Oh, because of that foolish decision that Solomon made and others made so long ago. Our present decision one day be the past to which future generations will be able to trace their blessings or their hardships. And disunity is ugly. You know, my dad was from a family of 15. Um, I only met two of his siblings, Aunt Ruth and Aunt Nancy. Because somewhere in the 1940s, my dad and his brother Mickey, who I never met, as a story as I know it, they, they bought a, a weight set together. One in halves, and when it became time for someone to have it, they both wanted it. I'm not sure who got it, but because of that decision over a weight set, a foolish decision, I never met 13 aunts and uncles or cousins because of a decision made in the past. You see, the decision you and I make in the day will affect people in the future, and they made a dumb decision. Another thing that led to the, the breakup was bad counsel that led to wrong decisions. You see, the advice that we're giving can either help or hurt the cause of unity. And, and Rehoboam is like, you know, the northern tribe comes, hey, you got to give us a tax break, guys. You're hurting us here, Rehoboam. He's like, I don't know what to do. He asked the older people, the, the leaders that served with his dad, and they said, you know what, your dad was kind of tough, and man, he kept jacking those taxes up. Hey, if you lower their tax rate, they will be your servants for life. And he's like, uh, he's like I didn't really want to do that. I kind of like spending their money on things I want. And then he goes to his buddies. They go, what should I do? They said, no, man. Dude, this is not time to back off. This is time to hit the gas pedal. This is time to let those people know who's in charge. And that's what he did. He said, you think my dad was bad? He says, my little finger is thicker than my dad's waist. He says, my father laid a heavy burden on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier uh, my father beat you with whips. I'm going to beat you with 
scorpions. Have you ever seen, received, or given counsel that actually led to disunity or, or made a current division even wider? Uh, another cause for their breakup was they forgot their ultimate purpose. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All families on earth will be what? Blessed through you. You see, God was using the nation of Israel to reveal his character to the rest of the world so that the rest of the world would want to do life with God. And as we said throughout the story, being God's people was never about geography. Instead, it was about becoming a people who would reveal, reflect, and display God's person, power, purposes throughout the world. You see, if they would have remembered their purpose, they would have said, hey, wait a second, is what we're about to do, is it going to further the cause of making God look good? The, the cause? Cause of the breakup, they had issues with their walk with God, unresolved petty jealousy, foolish decisions in the past, bad counsel that led to wrong actions, forgetting their ultimate purpose. That's some of the reasons for the breakup. I, I think those are some reasons that cause issues today, wouldn't you think? What are the results? Well, quickly, the results. Number one, lost influence. I mean, how influential do you think they were? Uh, revealing God's person and character while they're fighting with each other and having civil wars? Not very. Uh, diminished power. You know, the Davidic kingdom is shattered. The once mighty army that defeated nations is no more. Subject nations regained their independence, and tiny Israel and Judah were pretty much helpless in overcoming the Assyrian Babylonian empire that would ultimately crush them. Lost influence and diminished power, two results of disunity. I mean, could you imagine the influence and power the church would have? And I don't mean Maple Grove, I mean the church. Could you imagine the influence and power we would have if we were actually united, if we actually got along? I remember Lucy saying to Charlie Brown one time, you know, Charlie, by themselves, these things aren't much, but you bring these suckers together and they pack a wallop. A third result of the breakup was bitterness, strife, pain, and destruction that lasted for centuries. Centuries. And it didn't have to end that way. I mean, that did not have to be their lower story. It didn't. And the fourth result was entrenched separation. I understand division, once it's occurred, once it's taken root, is difficult to heal. And sure, there were attempts made to bring the two kingdoms back together again, but they all failed. And now for the cure. And you're going to see that not only are the things we're talking about a cure for disunity and division, but actually they would prevent it in the first place from ever happening. And by the way, all these things are things that you can do like right now. We don't have to wait. And, you know, this morning I was working my sermon and I went into the bathroom and I spilled coffee. And I don't know how it even came out. Like it's like less than half full. And it spilled on the counter. First thought was, what an awesome place to spill your coffee <laughs> on the counter right by the sink. And I'm thinking, I don't even need to clean it up right away, I was thinking. You know, and I said, well, you know what? I thought, you know what? I better clean it up now because it may be harder later. You know, and so I took a dry piece of toilet paper and I, you know, and I cleaned it up. And, and uh, a little later I came back in and 
I saw that I, there was a stain in the sink that I didn't get. I took a dry piece of toilet paper. Guess what? It, it didn't work. I had to turn the water on. And, and you see, it, it, yeah, preachers are kind of that way. We look for sermons everywhere, right? Yeah. Hey, I spilled my coffee. <laughs> you know, but, but, but here, here, here's the point, you know. It, it's easier to deal with it earlier, right? At the time of the spill, if you deal with it, when unity division breaks out, if you deal with it then, it's much easier to clean up. You let that stain sink in. You may not just need water. You may need some comment. You, you, you may need a, you know, a jackhammer, right? And, and here's some things we can do. Um, pray for unity. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you're in me, Father, and I'm in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Question, what is Jesus doing? He's praying. Why is he praying? Because prayer matters. What is he praying for? He's praying for unity. Why? Because unity matters. What if we prayed for unity with the same passion Jesus prayed for it? And what if we prayed for it before we spilled the coffee on the counter. It, it may just prevent it. Yeah, that's, you can do that right now, right? You don't have to wait. You can do that right now. You can pray. You and somebody not, not where you need to be, you can pray about it, right? Uh, number two, you draw closer to God. God is the ultimate unifier. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You see, God can, God can break down any wall of hostility. God is the great unifier. And, and when I talk to a husband and wife, I always like to use a triangle. I'm sure you've heard it before. But bottom line, if, if both husband and wife draw closer to God, they get closer together. You can substitute, you know, father and son mother and daughter, whatever you want to put in there. But the bottom line is God is a unifier and God can break down any wall of hostility. And if you have issues with somebody right now, first thing you do, you can pray about it and you can draw closer to God. And both of those are on us, right? As far as it depends on you. Uh, seek godly counsel. And, and that, that begins with, you know, with seeing what the Bible says and then it, it's followed up by praying and asking God for wisdom and then that's followed up by, by, by seeking counsel from other people, people who know you, people who know the situation and people who love God and God's truth more than they love being your friend. Because we need the truth, right? We don't need to have someone condone something that's wrong. But it doesn't end there. You see, the key is to follow through on the advice. See, too many times we, and I, myself included, you know, uh, we, uh, we pray, we read the Bible, we seek godly counsel, and we're like, I get it. I need to stop doing that. I, 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 need, to, I need to break off that relationship. I, I, I need to pick up the phone, and, 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 and I need to call that person. And I don't need to justify. I just need to say that I'm sorry. Nah, I don't think so. Not right now. Maybe later I'll do it. As Morpheus said to Neo in the Matrix, <laughs> Neo, sooner or later you're going to realize, like I did, that there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Well said, Morpheus. Pray, you can do that, right? 
You can draw closer to God. You can see godly counsel. Next, instead of putting on the attitude of jealousy and focusing on self, put on the attitude of Christ. But though he had both position and honor, did not demand or cling to either. Philippians 2, 3 through 7. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Circle that in your notes. Rather in humility, circle that, humility. Value others above yourself. Circle that. Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Circle the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ, who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Circle the very nature of a servant. Would that, would that help with division and disunity? Would it help cure it? Would it help prevent it? Having the attitude of Christ? Ephesians 4. Uh, be completely humble and gentle. Circle gentle. Uh, be patient. Circle patient. Bearing with one another. Circle that. In love. Circle love. We're doing a lot of circling here. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do you think that being gentle, being patient, bearing with one another, uh, do you think that love, do you think that making every effort, would that help cure disunity? Would it help prevent division and dissension? You know, would, would it help clean up the spill of coffee on the counter? Next, make wiser decisions, knowing that, hey, what do I do right now? I'm thinking my dad and, 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 and his brother, Mickey, we thought, you know what? This stupid weight set is going to mean that, that grandkids and cousins will never know each other. Who cares about a stinking weight set? They wouldn't have done it. We got to know that, hey, what I'm doing right now, it could lead to hurt later on. That it makes a difference. So we make wiser decisions. Hey, is what I'm about to do, is it going to lead to unity or is it going to lead to disunity? And like that, we got to remember our ultimate purpose. And our ultimate purpose is, is the same as Israelites, right? God wants us to reveal his character to the world so the world sees it and they go, hey, I, I like to do life with God too. Is there a place for me in, in his kingdom? I, I like to be there. Now, Philippians chapter 2, I like this. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at, at verse uh, 14. Uh, go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a, this is our purpose, provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-given message into the night so I have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. You see, when we remember ultimate purpose, it's like, okay, my purpose is to make God look good. You know, and, and nothing, you know, makes God look worse than his people. I mean, if you have, like, a favorite sports team and they, like, start fighting each other on the field, does, you like, are you proud of your team that day? Like, wow, I'm really proud to be their fan. You know, beating up on each other. And no, nothing makes God look worse. We're like, wait, I, I, I got to make God look good. That's my purpose. It's not to make me look good. It's not my position and honor. It's his. It just changes everything. And again, you know, some of you got coffee stains in your life, right? You know, most of us have some. Some been sitting a long time. You know, some maybe we just spilled this week. 
And it's better to clean it now than later, right? And all these things that we talked about, we can do now. You know, right now, today you can decide, you know what, I'm going to pray. I'm going to draw closer to God. I'm going to seek godly counsel. I'm going to put on the attitude of Christ. I'm going to make wise decisions. I'm going to remember my ultimate purpose. Here's the bottom line. And we're about to wrap this puppy up, and hopefully you'll decide to take it home. Benoit, you can do that, right? I don't know if you remember, uh, a group you two had a song called With or Without You. And, and, and I thought of those words as I, I was working on the sermon. It's just the title. You know, it, it, I mean, God's plan, God's purposes, and God's redemption. Guess what? It was going to happen. It, with or without Rehoboam and Jeroboam. You know, with or without you, God says, with or without you, nation of Israel, my plan's going to happen. My son's going to come. Redemption's going to come with or without you. I keep my word. I keep my promises. Whatever I say I'm going to do, I'm going to do. I keep my word. I'm God. I'm trustworthy. I'm true. Amen. And, and, and listen, church, with or without you, with or without me, God's going to build his church because he said he would. And God's going to demonstrate the good news to the world that the kingdom of God is open to everybody, every nation, every tongue, every language, every skin color, old, young, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ will build his church. It will get done with or without you, with or without me. And you know what I say this morning? I say, God, we want to do it with you. Amen. We want to do it with you. We want to help you get it done, God. Amen. He keeps his word. He keeps his word. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to sing a song. And, and, and uh, if you're, God broke down the wall of hostility. If you and God aren't right, you can make it right today. You know, maybe you've never surrendered to Christ, repented of your sin, been immersed in his name. You can do that today. Or maybe you kind of been wandering, you know, like, like the Israelites. Yeah, you've been delivered, but you've like been in this desert doing your own thing for a while. And God says, you know what? We're not so good with each other right now. And God says, well, the wall of hostility is down. You can, you know, see, we, we draw that sometimes we draw that bridge, you know, you know, like separates us from God and we can walk, we don't walk over. God already walked over. Yeah. The bridge is for him to walk over to us, not for us to walk over to him. He made the effort. You can settle that today. Mm-hmm. And, and then if you're like, I'm, I'm pretty cool with God and you know, we're doing all right. Well, you, how are you with other people? Is there some people in your life that, you know what, that God says, you know what, I need to make that phone call. I, I need to do this. I need to make this right. Then God would like you to do that. You know, because nothing brings him more glory than when his people live together in peace and harmony. We're going to sing a song about the day that love came down and changed everything and brought unity and made unity possible. Stand, I'm going to pray. Father God, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. No one like you. Nothing compares to you. God, we are messed up. And, and God, I pray right now for the person in this room who's not right with you. The enemy doesn't want them to respond to your truth. The enemy wants them to keep on wandering, keep on doing their own thing, their own way, to keep on making excuses, to keep on redefining what it means to follow you, to keep on rationalizing and justifying God. And I pray, God, you bring them to their knees. 
and they just surrender to you and accept and receive and surrender to you. And God, I just pray that you move in our hearts. That God, we got to make something right that we just do. And God, thank you that, that, that we didn't have to go up and bring love down, that love came down to us and you rescued us. In Jesus' name, amen.